That was so great. Thank you, guys. So, I, I, I don't think I'm supposed to say these kinds of things, but if I could, I might be tempted to just go back to the year 2020 and just, like, delete it. Uh, and, 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 and maybe not just 2020, but maybe part of 2021 as well, okay? Uh, those, were, those were some crazy times. Uh, I can recall in the early stages of 2020, uh, I had these you know, real moments of fear and anxiety that someone I loved was going to get uh, really sick or, or die or something like that. Uh, there was this mysterious disease floating around, and there were all these just absolutely enormous headaches of uh, myself or other people being quarantined. Uh, I didn't like that very much either. Uh, there was this crazy, crazy thing of being told that we couldn't gather our church together for a time being, right? And that was kind of like my whole thing, right? Is like bringing people together for worship. That's my whole shtick. And if I don't have that, what can I even do? I'm a minister, right? And I remember the first summer of all of that, uh, having to wear uh, masks everywhere. I was a, a chaplain on a college campus. I was on a college campus, so you had to wear this, this face mask all the time. It was so hot, and it was just awful. And uh, of course, I was in ministry, so soon enough, I was holding the hands of people who had lost parents and lost grandparents and lost friends and neighbors and even their own children. And those were some hard conversations to have and and some uh, 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 funerals where we could do a lot of graveside services and things uh, to attend. But the indelibly painful mark from that season, the really hard thing, was the ways in which everybody became so polarized. So polarized. Everyone was kind of going down their own internet rabbit hole from their own living room, right? And everyone's living in these like totally different realities of what is true and what is not true and, and uh, kind of finding their identity in where they stood on the question of, 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 of masks or vaccines or, or whatever it was. And I was trying so hard to just empathize with everybody and be a pastor to everyone and, and hear them out and meet them where they were and uh, also get some kind of unfiltered version of the truth of whatever it was out there so that I could care for people well and I could love people well and lead people well and bring a word of God for that particular moment. I wanted to be a good Christian. I wanted to be faithful to Jesus and rise to the occasion and love everybody all the way through it. And I just had this broken broken heart, trying to not lose faith in people, trying to empathize and understand and find common ground. And it was like, no matter how hard I tried, sometimes I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't square things away. How could people do the things they were doing, and say the things that they were saying. 
And maybe you too shudder when you think back to that season of our life that we live, right? And you may have even worse reasons to shudder about it. But I want to ask you if you have ever despaired about your fellow man or woman. Have you ever been tempted to just give up on somebody or give up on an entire group of people and just just kind of write them off? Have you ever felt the pain of polarization in your heart? I'm not asking you if you've ever felt judged by someone else or something like that. I'm asking you about your own heart and that painful dark feeling inside yourself that you are somehow different than other people, fundamentally better or smarter or more spiritual or more compassionate or whatever it is. That is polarization, okay? That feeling that someone else is unlike you. They are hopeless and beyond the scope of reason or compassion or respect or or whatever it is. So when I say polarization, what I mean is this. It's, It's dividing people into two totally separate groups. Polarization. You know the old joke, there are only two kinds of people in this world. People who divide people into two groups of people and those who don't, right? That's polarization. And it seems like lately we've been becoming a little more divided and polarized And that is a problem, okay? It's a problem. Polarization, it it, it decreases the the trust and the cooperation that we have between us. It, It weakens the social fabric that is holding everything together. It makes it harder to address common sense challenges that are in front of us. Harder to create policies that are inclusive for everybody. In polarization, we, we are less and less exposed to diverse viewpoints. People who say and think things different than ourselves. We don't have to listen or empathize with other experiences and other perspectives. Polarization creates more conflict and violence in our community, in our country. It it corrodes trust in the fundamental institutions that have sustained Western civilization for centuries. Our two political parties are becoming more extreme and entrenched in their positions. And there's gridlock in the halls of our democracy. And more and more people distrust organized religion. They distrust This church and churches just like it. More and more people distrust peer-reviewed science, modern medicine, the judicial system, democracy, higher education, all of those things. If those things are not coddling my perspective in the way I already saw things, well, I guess science or medicine or church or whatever it is, It must not be valid. Important things break down under the iron hand of polarization. Polarization, it's in the water that we are drinking these days. And I'm telling you right now, you're probably not immune to it. I'm not immune to it. We're not just naturally immune to it. The Apostle Paul said in Romans that the mind of the flesh is death. 
but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Doesn't that sound very nice? So, how does the Holy Spirit redeem your mind from the alluring evil power of polarization? That's my question for you this morning. How does the Holy Spirit redeem your mind from the evil, alluring power of polarization? Stay with me. So this morning I want to share with you this very, very short psalm. This is Psalm 131. And this speaks right to the very, very heart and center of this question of exactly what we're talking about when we talk about polarization. And this is what it says. He says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. That's another word for proud, by the way. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Thanks be to God for that very, very good word. So let's just talk about humility for a second. Because do you think that polarization is the product of a humble heart or a proud heart? This this thing that those people over there are beyond the scope of reason or compassion or respect. They can't be included in my life in my community, do you think those kinds of thoughts are the product of a proud heart or a humble heart? It's a a proud heart. And the worshiper in Psalm 131 says, my heart is not proud. Okay, He says, my eyes are not haughty. That's how the NIV translates it. But a more like literal translation would, would say, um, my, it is not lifted up my eye. It is not lifted up my eye. So, so think about it. What he's saying there in this kind of like poetic line is this. Uh, you think about um, like a peasant addressing royalty, okay? And they're not allowed, it's not, it's not uh, fitting for them to even lift their eyes from the ground. You're not allowed to... Lift your eyes to behold this royalty in front of you because they are that much better than you. They are that much more important than you. That's what this little line of poetry is saying here in the psalm. I can't even look up at you because I am so low and you are so high. Is that the way we talk to one another or about one another with people with whom we disagree polarized heart is a proud heart. And here's the big one. This is a a huge one. I love this next line in here. This is the one you need to put on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker, or better yet, put a little sticker on the corner of your, your phone screen or your TV screen. This next line, it says, I do not concern myself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for me. Can you imagine living your life that way? Has it ever occurred to you that you don't know everything? 
Has that ever occurred? There, there, there's these great and wonderful matters that are bigger than you, that you can't possibly know everything about everything, okay? And in this increasingly complex, interconnected, technologically advanced world in which we live, it's more and more and more important than ever before to admit that you don't know everything about everything. No, you should not try to rewire the electrical grid in your house. You should not try to you know, repair the, the, the foundation of your house. I mean, there's a very limited amount of people who should try these things, right? And then the worshiper says, he says, he is content like a weaned child with its mother. Okay, think of like a toddler. That he has calmed and quieted himself. And when I think about polarization and polarized people, I do not think of people who have calmed and quieted themselves. Finally, the worshiper encourages the people of God to hope, to hope in the Lord. And it's interesting that the word for uh, hope there, in the original uh, Hebrew language in which it's written, uh, the word yachal, is, 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 it's the same word for wait. Wait on the Lord, like calm and quiet and content to just wait. Worship helps your polarized thoughts, my friends. The worshiper of Psalm 131 does not sound like a polarized person, does he? He doesn't sound like the, talk, like the, the talking heads that you hear on cable news or social media, does he? Calm and quiet and content and waiting on the Lord. So how does worship do that for him? How does worship renew his mind and transform his life into this grounded, peaceful, quiet, serene person? How does worship help rewire his brain and, and my brain? How does the Holy Spirit redeem your mind from the alluring evil power of polarization, this thing that is destroying us, this thing that Jesus, uh, he talks about this in John chapter 10, this thing that is a thief that comes to steal and to destroy your life, this polarization, this dividing voice between us. How? So uh, these researchers were wondering the same thing, and they had this great idea about how to, how to, how to explore this. So they had one group of, video, uh, of people watch videos of entertaining, amusing stuff, okay, like cat videos. And they took another group of people, and they had them watch um, a docu- a Planet Earth documentaries. Have you ever, raise your hand if you've ever watched plan- a little bit of Planet Earth. I love it. Planet Earth. Um, so they, they hadn't watched Planet Earth or, or time-lapse videos of stars across the sky at night, all right? Uh, and then they also had the, these, these same uh, people uh, just have a conversation about a time that they felt and experienced awe and wonder and reverence, okay? And then they had fun with this, and they got these people talking about the death penalty and immigration, 
and uh, 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 police interactions with, with African Americans. So, you know, just, just light uh, kinds of uh, uh, things. And they talked to these people about how they felt about engaging with someone who disagreed with them on these topics or the prospect of, of someone who saw the issue a different way becoming their next door neighbor, all right? Uh, or working with somebody with a different viewpoint, or, or even, they actually asked them this, having a spiritual advisor like a pastor who had a different perspective on the issue. And wouldn't you know it, those who had experienced in awe and wonder were less polarized, and those who had been entertained were more polarized. Those who had just experienced awe and wonder were less polarized people. And if you think about it, this this makes a lot of sense with a lot of the things we've been learning in this whole sermon series. Worship, it expands your perspective. It broadens your horizon, doesn't it? It gives you this broader perspective in life and it makes you more open-minded and less focused on these narrow, divisive issues, right? Like, like when you are opened up to the bigness of God and the majesty of God, the God who creates galaxies with a word, the God who designs billions of, of individual leaves on millions of trees that surround you in this valley, the God who, who watches these amazing colonies of ants underneath the earth where no one else can see that kind of God, the God who engineers the birth of newborn babies and that painted the sunrise over the sky that you may or may not have stopped to admire this morning. You worship that God, reverence and awe and wonder. It has this effect of moving you beyond your own puny individual problems, and it gives you this broader, more open-minded perspective on the world. It just, it just opens you up. Worship evokes these feelings of connectedness and unity with others. We talked about this, right? You remember this? Other people, Psalm 22, okay? It, in, it inspires this collective purpose, this unity between us. We're all in this together, One common voice. We all share this common purpose of worshiping the one true God and loving God together and loving one another. Okay, You remember we talked about how worship helps you become uh, more compassionate and it helps you become more empathizing with others. When you feel uh, connected to others, when you empathize more with different perspectives, well, polarization... It just kind of shrivels up and dies in the warm light of all of that. We talked about how your, you know, your amygdala, your, your fight or flight part of your brain, it just shrinks, it cools off during worship. And so, and so your feelings of threat and defensiveness have this way of falling down. Okay? And you start to realize that the people who disagree with me are not a threat to me. Maybe the most obvious thing, here's the final thing, worship, true worship, humbles you. Worship humbles you. 
makes you smaller. Worship is about exalting this infinite, immortal, eternal, the creator of a vast and complex cosmos, something that is so clearly beyond your control or beyond my control. It's bigger than us. So you want to argue about abortion or atonement theology or the credibility of whoever it is in office or who wants to be in office? Okay, I have some thoughts about that. Maybe you have some thoughts about that. But I'm probably wrong because both of us were just blades of grass in a field. We're just grains of sand on a beach. We're just vapors in the wind that are here today and gone tomorrow. And we may disagree with each other. And there may be serious consequences for you getting your way. But we're just these teeny tiny little things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Worship help. Whoa. Help us, Lord. Worship helps your polarized thoughts, my friends. Now, religion doesn't necessarily help you with that. Church doesn't necessarily help you with that. Because you know, people have actually looked at this, and there are certain ways of doing church. There are certain ways of doing religion. There are certain ways of even doing worship that actually makes polarization worse. But worship, true worship, awe and wonder and reverence, Worship that is connected to the people around you, it helps your polarized thoughts, my friends. So, I want to show you a picture. Can you pull up a picture? This was taken over 30 years ago from a satellite that had flown past Neptune, uh, 3.7 billion miles away from the sun. That's how far this satellite is. And it looked back and it took this photo and it transmitted it back home to us, and uh, I think you can see it in that picture, but in that beam of light within that red circle, there's this little pale blue dot, and that tiny little pale blue dot floating in the middle of outer space is planet Earth, that tiny little speck with all seven billion of us little know-it-alls on it, and the worshiper says, my heart is not proud. Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. Okay, next picture. This was taken from Saturn a few years ago as you can tell. And that little pale blue dot floating in the middle of the vast cosmos of outer space, that's planet Earth and all seven billion of us little know-it-alls on it. And what does the worshiper say? My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. Worship helps your polarized thoughts. Okay, here's another one, a great one 
from the James Webb telescope. These are the sorts of things that are happening in the universe right now. Astronomers have charted over 100,000 of these stellar nurseries, something similar to what you're looking right, right now, just inside of nine galaxies. That's all they can kind of identify, just within nine galaxies. Well, there's somewhere between 200 billion and 2 trillion galaxies, okay? So there's like millions of these happening right now, all around us in this universe. God is doing these kinds of stellar nursery kinds of things all over the place. Each one of them unique and magnificent and glorious over and over and over again. And none of us will ever even see or behold almost any of them at all. Okay? Uh, you see the, the, the peak on the left side, they, they said, that peak is seven light years tall. Okay? That means you have to get in a spaceship and fly 186,000 miles per second, and you have to go that fast for seven years to get from the bottom of that thing to the top of that thing. And there are millions of these things all across the span of the universe. So what does the worshiper say? My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. You see, worship helps your polarized thoughts. So I'll just show you just one last picture, okay? This one's not as fun. So this is from 400 years ago. And on the left side is uh, the way that all these people thought that outer space and planet Earth looked. The uh, planet Earth is the big red circle there. This is from like Dante's Inferno, which was based on, on uh, uh, Ptolemaic uh, astronomy and the Bible kind of mixed together. On the right side is this guy uh, Thomas Diggs, who was a, a contemporary and a friend to Copernicus. Maybe you remember that name, Copernicus, the guy who discovered that our solar system revolves around the sun, not planet Earth. Actually, both of these pictures are technically wrong. Even Copernicus is wrong. Even Copernicus thought that the universe was wrapped in a, in a globe of stars. Uh, that is not correct, Copernicus. But in the 1500s and the 1600s, people were really arguing about this stuff. People were very divided. Which picture are you going to go with? Okay, People were very polarized over these pictures. Uh, Copernicus, this heliocentric thing, uh, those, if, if you wrote about that in, the, in a book, that book was banned. That book was banned. Uh, infamously, you know, uh, Galileo, who followed Copernicus, he, he was put under house arrest for the rest of his life because he said, I'm sorry, I, I, just, I just can't deny that this is what's happening in the world. Polarization. And all of this doesn't sound like a worshiping heart fighting over which pathetic little conceptualization of the universe you're going to choose. It doesn't really sound like a man who is singing this song, I have calmed and quieted myself. Worship helps your polarized thoughts. So we are in a presidential election year. Yay. 
lots of things are going to be said by lots of people. And you will not believe some of the things that you will hear, and you will not believe some of the things that you will see, and you will be tempted to despair. You will be tempted to write them off, to harness these sorts of explosive feelings about these things. You will be tempted to dwell on polarizing thoughts and, 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 uh, and, and uh, act uh, in polarizing ways, but worship will help your polarized thoughts. We live in this year of history when life is riddled with these complex questions about sexuality and race, all kinds of things that might feel either sacred and bounded or sensitive and vulnerable or all of the above. And you will not believe some of the things that you will hear. You will not believe some of the things that you will see. And you will be tempted to despair. You will be tempted to write people off. You will be tempted to harness these sorts of explosive feelings about these things. You will be tempted to dwell on polarizing thoughts and live in polarizing ways. But worship will help your polarizing thoughts, my friends. And so I am begging you today. I'm begging you because I don't want to live in a polarized world. It is not the heart of God. So I'm begging you to put Jesus Christ in the very center of your life and put Jesus Christ at the very center of your solar system and transform your life through the renewing of your mind and to do that through worship, awe and wonder and reverence day after day. In the moments when you feel the gravity of polarization pulling you into its quicksand, remember that you and the seven other billion know-it-alls on this speck suspended in outer space. You're just a grain of sand on a pale blue dot floating in just one of 4,000 other solar systems in our galaxy, which is just one galaxy in a big swirl of two trillion galaxies. That's how pathetically small you and I are and all those with whom we disagree are. Worship the God of the pale blue dot, the God of the two trillion galaxies, the God of the millions upon millions of celestial nurseries that are seven light years tall. You have to go 186,000 miles per second for seven years just to get from the bottom of the top. That God, worship that God, not the God that helped you find the nice parking spot. So this is what I want you to think about doing this week and Definitely for the remainder of 2024. In the moment that you decide that those people are evil, those people are uh, uh, stupid or, or different from, from you. In those moments when you feel that, some of you may feel like, yeah, I feel that way a lot. This is what I want you to pray. Pray these words right here. You can pull this up on the screen. Oh God, they are just a grain of sand on a pale blue dot, but so am I. You are not. Oh God, they are just a grain of sand on a pale blue dot, but so am I. 
and you are. You are not. Let's pray. Loving God, we want to be like Jesus. We want the heartbeat of God beating within our own chests. And when we see and hear people at their worst, when we feel so certain that we are right and our hearts are filled with pride, we know that we are being torn asunder from that very vision that you have for us and that we have for ourselves. Mold and shape us, Lord, further into the image of your Son. Help us to navigate and negotiate this world in the way of Jesus. Not the way that we want to go, but the way that you want us to go. And the way that you want us to relate to the people around us and the people who are, quote unquote, out there. Oh God, they are just a grain of sand on a pale blue dot, but so are we. And you are not. So we worship you and we surrender to you. We confess that Jesus is Lord and we are not. We confess, Lord, that you are the judge and we are not. Help us to be faithful stewards of this life we are living and to love people into your kingdom. It's in the great name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. My friends, the Bible says that the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, and only in Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, it is available to you. And the Bible says that if you will confess that Jesus is Lord and you are not, and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this morning, I want to invite you to make that confession and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I invite you to join this good family of faith, this beloved community right here on the corner of Preston and South Main. I'll be down front as we stand and sing together.